0: Providence basketball now down again. Don to the cup,
1: and Rozo throws it down with love from Kingdom New Hampshire.
2: A chance for Providence to tie this game up with a three. Under two and a half to play in the first half. That sets the screen. Cotton, the pull-up three. Tied. South. Hawkins down. Three response. spots right back. Friars run! Denied defense by Creighton right here.
1: Here's Bats, what a play by Bats! And the foul! Here's the fake. And the shot is still Ted Bancroft.
2: So, the Friars are getting dividends from DeRozier, Bancroft,
3: with Goldsboro, the bench is getting the job done. Fortune. Arena. This is special, guys.
4: kick Providence, hold on. Looking for their first title since
3: 94. Creighton trying to climb the mark. Cut to hit, Tend to shoot.
2: Hit, fires, midrace, and ah, it?
1: <laughs> trying to get it something quickly. Here's McDermott from Omaha.
4: Too deep. And a foul. Chapman rebound.
5: Congratulations to Providence.
6: Square Garden, the first New Big East championship since realignment, and we're facing a team formerly of the Missouri Valley Conference, Omaha, Nebraska. Bryce Cotton again said it best: the, the biggest thing that kept going off in my mind was they're
7: a brand new school; they're not an original Big East school. So just off principle, we cannot let the Big East down. We can't let the rest of Big East down by letting them come in and take this from us and it's like doug already demolished us had 45 got his three thousand point on us like a week before so i kind of remember when the matchup was happening like a lot of the commentators were kind of talking as if this was done and dusted like creighton was gonna you know get the championship and it was just a formality to to play the game so we kind of took that personal and um Yeah, we came out guns blazing, and we knew, you know, they was going to be fired up as well. But uh, I think the biggest thing for most of us was we didn't make the game bigger than what it was or what I guess some of the fans made it be. We had to treat it like another game, and we just needed to keep doing what we've done to get us to this point. So I guess not understanding the magnitude of the game or us, Providence College, you know, knowing where we had been just a few years before, playing for a Big East championship we didn't really process that and that was probably to our benefit
5: to not make it as big of a deal as it was. And a big story coming out of that game was just you guys playing zone right Creighton's the best shooting team not in the Big East but the country right the best three-point shooting team in the country so Mm -hmm. what was your you know when Coach Cooley shared that like what was it what were your initial thoughts and then if you can tell a fan specifically, are there certain things in the zone that you adjust or that make it more effective against a team like Creighton? Like, do you try and get up on them more, a little bit in the perimeter? Or I guess just what was your approach and what were your thoughts when coach Cooley mentioned to go and zone against them?
7: Um, yeah, it was just, all right, this is the game plan. You know, this is what we got to do. Cause it's with basketball, it doesn't really matter what your game plan is if you don't actually execute it. So, You know, he told us what what we was going to do, and it wasn't the first time we had ran zone before, so I felt we were pretty confident. Like, okay, well, we've done well in zones before, so in theory, you know, this could slow
6: them down if we do this the right way. In the locker room, the guys simply were like, we can't let them win in our Big East. And that's exactly what the guys were able to do. The Associated Press headline started with Bryce Cotton was number two to Doug McDermott in the Big East the whole season, but now Bryce Cotton ended number one. And the Providence Friars were able to beat Creighton 65-58 and win their big, first Big East title since 1994. Remember the fourth-seeded Friars ended at 23-11 and 10-8 and and in conference and gotten their doors blown off by Creighton in Omaha to end the season on Doug McDermott senior night. Absolutely. Just an unbelievable game all around. Kev, I'm going to jump back in, but what are your thoughts to start on the big East championship game?
5: Yeah. So I think to put it in perspective to McDermott, you know, we remember that game against PC to close the season, right? 45 points. He was absolutely electric, but, People forget, too, in the Big East tournament, in the two games prior to this, he had 32 against Xavier in the um, semifinals, and he had 35 on seven threes against DePaul in the first round. Um, Or I shouldn't say the first round, I should say the quarters. So basically, he's coming off games of, what, 45, 35, 32, and just playing ridiculous basketball at this point. He's a national player of the year. Um, There's not really any debate about that. It was one of those years where it was a pretty clear-cut National Player of the Year. That was McDermott. And um, I think, obviously, Bill, the thing that everyone remembers from that game strategically was Ed Cooley going in zone against Creighton.
6: The zone, probably one of the more interesting calls in the
2: whole Cooley era. And it was just starting. And the last time we just played Creighton, I think they put up 200 points against us. They were absolutely blew the doors off us. So going into this game, I remember walking into our film study that night, and Coach Blaney, it was his scout, said, "We're gonna we're gonna play zone." Which, okay, you have the best three point shooting team in the country. What on earth do you mean we're gonna play zone against them, right? So we went in, and, and sure enough, it worked for the most part, right? We were getting out on the shooters, like not letting them have anything easy. I don't remember what they shot from three that game, but I remember every single three was contested and and Dougie could shoot from anywhere. Um, so during that whole game, obviously, there's a good bit of angst, um, but I actually felt like the way the coaches prepared us for that game, we were in a in a pretty good spot. And the fact that, it's crazy to say, they blew the doors off us the last time, it also kind of gives you a little bit of like, all right, was that real? Like, you know, if you lose by three or five, okay. Makes sense. If you go down by 30, it's just some atmospheres are unwinnable. In, and I think Doug McDermott scoring 3000 on his senior night in front of 37,000 people, like Warren Buffett was on the court. Right. So like w- w- that was a game we kind of just put into our memory and said, or removed it from our memory, said it's gone. Like, Let's not even watch the film there. So I actually felt pretty decent about our our strategy. And and again, I think all the guys we needed to show up showed up. The Friars led by 12 points
6: twice in the second half. Um the but the Blue Jays got close multiple times. Um 58-56 on McDermott's fifth and final three. And then we you know, we kind of know how everything comes together and how we win. But even before then, I just, I'll never be able to get the image out of my head of the Bryce and one three of him, you know, celebrating and just, you know, having his moment on national television, um, you know, with the Fox sports one announcers um,
5: that was just, that's just something I'll always think about when I think about Bryce. And Bill, just to take a step back to talking about the zone, um, you know, obviously it worked. Creighton scored 17 points in the first half. This is the best I think just to have the the guts to make that call, you know, on that stage, kind of shows how secure Cooley is in himself as a coach, right? A lot of them, if you get completely lit up and you're playing zone against Crane, everyone's like, "What are you doing?" Right? Um, Crane scored 17 points in the first half. This again, they were essentially the best three point shooting team. They were the best three point shooting team in the country, and there really wasn't much precedent for it. Like I, I looked back. So in that game, Creighton had 55 possessions and PC was in zone on 52 of those possessions. The first time PC played them in Providence, there were 55 possessions for Creighton. PC played zone once. And then when they came back in Omaha, there were 54 possessions. PC played zone three times. So it's not like they they played zone against him for a while and had success. I looked back at that whole season, like barely anyone played zone against Creighton at all. Um, I think the most I had seen was like Georgetown went zone against them in like 11 possessions. So like no one was, re- was really doing it at all. Um, so to make that call was pretty crazy. And then I thought we really saw the versatility of Providence that year because they were up 26, 17, in the second half, but then both teams got really hot in the second half. I think everyone remembers, you know, Bryce making big shots, but, they were going back and forth really the first like 10, 12 minutes of the second half. It it turned into a really well-played offensive game um, early in the second half. And then of course the McDermott shots late were absolutely crazy. And I remember uh, one of the great calls I loved uh, McDermott hits, you know, his last three with about a minute and change to go makes it a two point game. And the whole place just rises up. And, uh, Billy Raftery says this is special Gus and it's just Cotton walking up and gives the ball to LaDante, Le and LeDante does what LeDante does
3: and they are on their feet at the world's most famous arena this is special
5: Gus kick Providence hold on looking for their first title since 94 Creighton trying to climb the mountain
2: Cotton to Hinton 10 to shoot
3: and the energy in that building for us, man, was big time. Like that's like our home away from home too, man. Like whenever we play in the Big East tournament, we have a good crowd and especially if Providence College is in the championship game for the first time in a long time. They showed out for us. So I was just going to go out there and just play my hardest, man, whenever the ball go up and try to go get it. And I was I had a, a knack for, for rebounding. So that that just came natural for me, just going to get those rebounds. and. Especially in a situation like that to help my team win, I'm a, I'm gonna go run through a wall for them. So I was I'm trying to get every rebound. But as far as the shot, like it was something that I worked on every day. Like like Ted said, like that was something that I when I get in the gym, I'm working on a mid post catch it, jab shot. And um that was that's that's the name of the game, right? Like you do it when nobody's watching, so you can do it when thousands are watching. And I kind of looked at that shot as, as that. Um, and the moment was coach drew up the play and it was going, the ball was going to be in me in either mine or cotton hands because it was, it was a pick and pop kind of for me and cotton and they kind of double cotton and he, he gave me the rock. So I just looked at the clock and it, was, it came natural. Like I worked on this a thousand times. It's just another shot, even though it's a big situation. If you work on it every day of your life, it becomes second nature, so the shot was basically just second nature for me, and it, and it went in. It went in, and it was it was big time. It was one of my greatest moments as a friar, probably the greatest moment as a friar, winning the championship with my brothers for sure.
1: Well, La Dante is is a, is a prime example why we as coaches get into this to give a kid an opportunity from his community, and to see him grow and develop as a player, as a student, as a man. Uh, as a teammate, and to have it all come together for him like that um, game winning shot, settles the hands down, 40 some seconds left, isolation on the left side against Manigault, I think the kid's name was, settled his hands in his patented jab jab shoot from two to four. And then, you know, we get a rebound on a McDermott 35 footer from a most that he had made two in a row from. Um, that, again, I go back to Divine Providence. It was meant to be. It was meant to be the, the stars were lying for us that day. You know, they just had come off beating us by a million points, you know, the strategy going in. And I told the team, I said, guys, we're going to, we're going to slow them down a little bit. We're going to play zone. And everybody looked at me like I was an absolute idiot. <laughs> you know, you know, you got, you know, you know uh, what was the big guy's name? He was there forever. The center who only took like two, two pointers is that senior year. Uh, Ethan Rogge. Ethan Rogge banging shots everywhere. You know, obviously, the player of the year in college basketball and McDermott. uh, They they had a lot going for them. And I think it definitely caught them off guard a little bit. And the way we had watched them and Brian Blaney did a great job with the scout is almost like they had a pecking order of the way who would touch the ball and win and who would shoot. So we actually scouted their system a little bit as well. And it was a credit to Brian Blaney.
6: What Dante talked about how he had practiced that shot hundreds of times and, and how it truly is something where the things you work on when the lights aren't on are the things that come to fruition when the lights are on. Right. Ted talked about it as well. Um, you know, he had seen that shot so many times in his, in his time practicing and doing scout team at BC and, uh, I think it speaks to the evolution of LaDante's game and how he he went from being a freshman who could just kind of do it all uh, to the guy that we wanted with the ball
5: in his hands to take the last shot. And Bill, what was funny talking to the guys, you know, it's what you kind of pick up on being an outsider versus an insider. And this is why we're doing this podcast because I don't know about you, but I remember watching this possession and I was like, this is going nowhere. What are they doing? Like It just felt like they, you know, I was like, are they running something? Like there was, it was just this kind of like slow build and they just gave it to LaDante. And in the moment I was like, what are we doing here? And LaDante just pulled up and hit that shot. And what was interesting is from an outsider's perspective, it it seemed like, you know, what are we doing here? All of them were like, that's LaDante's patented shot. That's something we saw LaDante do in practice over and over and over again. And it felt like it was in, in their minds, inevitable that that shot was going in. Um, so he knocks it down and, and then mcdermott get that one final shot. Right. And I mean, he put that one up from just inside half court, to be honest, I thought he could have taken a better shot than that. Like there was still time. And he put up that kind of crazy three at the end that missed at that point, um, the game's over, you know, you're still as a PC fan, like, well, let's see what could happen here, but for all intents and purposes, McDermott puts up that three on the next possession misses it. PC gets the board. That's it, right? With
6: well, Dante's jumper, as well as um, another field goal, were the final two field goals in the last nine minutes of the game. So, you know, to come out unscathed, to come out as Big East champions in the first year after realignment, I mean, receiving the Dave Gavin trophy, um, you know, for Coach Cooley, uh, just, just an absolutely amazing feeling. I was there. It, it, it was, you know, all the fans – across the board the Creighton fans could have been nicer which was almost uncomfortable it's like hey your team just lost and you were favored to win this game
1: just the build up to it and everybody you know they had the national player of the year Big East player of the year I believe that year um you know how do you th- you know they just beat us by a million points some seven or eight days before uh I just remember the build up I remember the attention to detail that the men had in the locker room and the preparation of it. Oh, because, you know, it's a quick turnaround. Um, how resilient our guys were, how fired up they were to play to show, you know, hey, you know, yeah, they got us at home, at their place. Senior night was a special day. Yet I just think our guys just refused to give in to anything. They wanted to be a champion, they wanted to be known as a Big East champion. It's only been done one other time, and I think that was 94 with Abdul. Abdullah, who was my teammate at, at Central High School, you know, and you had, I think Dickie Simpkins was on that team. I think Marvin Marquise Bragg was on that team. Um, you know, they, they had a lot going for them then, yet our players wanted to leave their mark and leave their legacy. And I was really, really proud of the team. I just Just how proud I was, A, to be the coach at Providence College, to be um a champion and to share that moment with bob driscoll with steve napolillo with father shanley like you know what i mean the people that believed in you to bring you there to get to that game that early in our tenure year three i thought that was pretty special
0: watching just you know bryce hit that in one bryce had that that uh that big three dante's ridiculous uh you know you know um jab step 17 footer you know kind of from no man's land doesn't know if he wants to use the backboard or not was uh you know that being the shot of the game and then the buzzer sounding we were champions that was just just running around I felt like um when I should I should know the name who's who's the coach that needed someone to hug was he the NC State coach a long time ago oh, Melvano yeah, yeah 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 I felt like, like just Running around, just hugging, you know, hugging, hugging Lee, hugging Kadeem, hugging Josh, you know, finding Bryce um, was 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 really, really special. And then, of course, you know, the fans stayed for that for that trophy presentation and uh, just to be able to go out as a champion for, you know, for, for such a, an up and down season especially when we knew before the game and, and I don't know how, you know, the coaches had heard this and kind of the players somehow got wind of this where that was a must win game, I think, for us to make the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, and that's one of those things where if you don't win that, you don't want to leave, you know, your fate up to the hands of the committee. And, and again, to win that and enjoying that moment and then knowing that we have a shot to play in the NCAA tournament was was you know, basketball-wise, the, the the best memory I, that, that I have in my life? Just for this group of players,
5: especially the veterans, you know, LeDonte uh, Kadeem, Bryce, who had been here through really tough times. Um, you know, I think Bryce, LeDonte and Kadim started their careers with back-to-back four and 14 seasons, right? So for them to get there, it must have felt kind of unimaginable at one point. And I think that, you know, there's we can look back at the box scores, but even beyond that, there are so many plays that these veteran guys made that were huge. Like LaDante had two, excuse me, Kadim had two huge rebounds um, late in this game. Um, you know, Creighton was really making a push. Kadim got a rebound and traffic and got fouled. And then it happened again. He got fouled with probably under two minutes to go, comes down and hits both free throws, really big free throws. And there was a moment um, early in the first half. So PC's got this nine-point lead, and you're kind of feeling like, all right, Creighton's going to get it going offensively. They start the second half in a seven-to-two run, and they're starting to get momentum. And Kadeem kind of slows them down by getting to the line, you know, playing more physical game. And I, I thought in that game, Kadeem in particular was really physical, and that made a big difference.
4: Yeah, no, literally, like you said, me, Bryce, and Ted. Um, we all kind of looked at each other like we kind of laughed and joked about it too. But remember, you remember, you guys remember the keynote days, we used to joke like that and stuff like that, but to climb that ladder and really, you know, uh, get over that hump and, you know, get a championship. That was, that was like, you know, the, you know, we were hoping for that, but that was like, you know, far fetched uh, in terms of what we experienced at Providence. So um, this, that I remember, you know, when that final buzzer hit just to like, the unsurreal feeling of actually winning that Big East championship. It was just like a surreal feel. I remember they captured a shot uh, of us in the middle of the court. I'm jumping up. LaDonte's jumping up. Brees and Josh are out there. I think Cotton's probably over at the bench jumping up. It was just like a surreal moment for us, for sure. Because we needed to win that to make the tournament, too. So it was just really cool.
5: Just for those three guys especially, um, and for Ed Cooley, you know, it was – it was great for them, but also you wonder now. Um, and Ted Bancroft touched on this: like if they don't win that, you know, they go ahead now. This is the first of five straight 20-win seasons. They hadn't won 20 since 2004. But um, you can make a case that who knows? You know, I, I think this kind of catapulted the program and raised the level of expectations there. And maybe if they don't pull this one off, maybe we don't see see the nice run they go on after that. And obviously the success that's continued now, what, almost 10 years later.
6: Kev, what were your feelings going into the NCAA tournament game?
5: Yeah, it was interesting. The feeling that year because of their seeding was this isn't a classically great North Carolina team. And it wasn't, you know, but it became one. So this is 2014. In the core of that team, Bill, you mentioned Joel Berry, Marcus Page, Kennedy Meeks, Bryce Johnson. Isaiah Hicks was on that team. So those guys were all a big part of the team that made the national championship in 2016 and won the title in 2017. So obviously they wanted to do really great things. Um, What had hurt their um, seeding that year, they lost to Belmont um, in the, in the non-conference. They went, had an awful, they missed like 25 free throws in that game and they lost to UAB. So those really hurt their, their numbers. Right. But this is a team that had nine top 100 players. They started the year ranked number 12. And as much as everyone said, this isn't a great UNC team. Uh, they beat Michigan State, who was number one. They beat Kentucky that year. They beat Louisville, who was ranked third. Um, they started in the ACC 0-3 and then won 12 in a row in the league from late January until early March. So they were playing really good basketball. And then they beat Duke. And what was kind of an interesting little anecdote about North Carolina that year, After they beat Duke, who was ranked number one, or in the top four, I should say, maybe not number one, they're the only team to have beaten the preseason top four. So the teams are ranked one, two, three, and four in the preseason by the AP in 50 years. So they had some bad losses, but obviously they proved they can beat anybody. Uh, And they had a lot of of big athletic players, and that was going to be the biggest challenge for PC.
1: Anytime you play against Carolina, you're going to rebound the ball transition defense and you can't turn the ball over and i thought for 39 minutes we executed a great game plan not a good game plan a great game plan i think we were up three with the ball we either got a steal or we got a a critical stop and i think we we forced a shot late i mean we forced a shot early in the shot clock and if I'm not mistaken, Cotton had railed off maybe 14 or 15 or 17 straight. So I, you know, I thought we had a great opportunity to win. We positioned ourselves to win. And then, you know, we just didn't get lucky at the end. I think Page made a three. I think they got an and one somewhere. McAdoo, maybe. I'm just trying to go back to that game. It's going back some time now. And we weren't able to. I think LaDante had a shot. Did that? I think that game went into overtime. No, 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 they, no. They, no. They, it didn't go into overtime, but it was like, I think LaDante had a, a a layup right in front of the rim that either would have been the game winner or tithe, maybe the game winner where it just didn't go down. So something unique about the scenario, right? We go into the NCAA
6: tournament facing a blue blood. Duke had lost. So if we, if we had beaten North Carolina, that would have been the first time ever that Duke and North Carolina would lose um, on the same day in the NCAA tournament. So looking at the game, you know, from the start, um, I mean, Bryce Cotton, like, like like this, this was Bryce Cotton's coming out party.
1: I remember Bryce coming up to me and saying, coach, I don't need a ball screen. They can't guard me. I said, well, do your thing, baby. I got you go, go get it. And it was, I was more a fan than a coach watching him. I'm like, wow, look at that. He's out there doing his thing. You know, and uh, you know it was it it was a it was a if we had Cotton for four years, he'd be the all time leading scorer in the history of the school by far, because I think he scored maybe eighteen hundred points in three years for us. You know, he, special special talent, Cotton.
5: What was so interesting about that game is it felt like for a while they are in the verge. It felt like they were in the verge of getting like blown out in that game, right? They they didn't play great in the first half. They showed Cooley at halftime. He was mic'd up and essentially it was like, we haven't played well at all, you know, and they were within striking distance, right? Selfishly, I was
2: thinking, I'm just so happy to be going to the NCAA tournament. You know, were we a little nervous? Like, yeah, we play Big East, we play ACC teams, but then like UNC is another caliber, right? And and then you hear, oh, um, Roy Williams has never lost a first round game. And then it's like, so you got to stay off social media at that point, right? People count you down. Um, but the good news is, like, the te- the guys on our team, I don't think even listen to that, right? Like, Bryce, I don't think, was thinking, oh, wow, UNC, like, I'm scared. He's thinking, I still have so much to prove to the world that I'm taking this, again, you saw it in his performance, but I think he took it as an extra challenge and just – him, Ladante, the same sort of thing. These guys all came in and were like, "We have so much to prove, and what better stage to do it on than than UNC?"
5: They were down, you know, thirty nine to thirty six without even playing that well. Uh, Carolina started to push ahead a little bit uh, early in the second half, um, but PC went on a huge run, you know, and it happened really, really quickly. Um, they got a transition layup from Tyler Harris about eleven minutes to play in the second half to cut it to seven. And I remember Steve Kerr saying, Some are the only, they're only down. somehow they're only down seven. And PC hit a quick three right away. And he's like, and now four. And like that quickly, with a little, little spurt, what was like a double-digit lead? All of a sudden, got cut to four. And then at that point, Cotton just put an absolute show the next six or seven minutes.
3: The shot clock to five. Here's Cotton for three. Oh, big shot. Robin, it's needed that one. Kerr, Craig Sager, caught with a crossover. And the reverse. Oh! Cotton played by the freshman Brick putting all kinds of moves on. Oh, hey. Able to bank it home. Back comes Cotton, accelerates, and <laughs> scores. Is wow. he quit, Bryce Cotton? Which leads to a North Carolina timeout. they're hanging around.
5: You know, UNC was up 58 to 51, and then PC flipped it. PC was up 63 to 60, um, and then one of my the best sequences I've ever seen from a Providence player was when Bryce Cotton came out of nowhere. He had this one-handed steal. It was an incredible steal along the sideline. Kept himself in bounds, comes down, crosses over Page, hits a three at the top of the key, and it's 66 to 62 with under six minutes to go.
3: Cotton running
2: around the screen, Rebounded by Johnson. Whoops it down. Oh, pick-off.
3: oh Cotton. Looking like a defensive back
2: able to handle that pass.
3: That was spectacular.
2: That's tightly by Johnson. Carolina back to its man to man. They've really changed defenses throughout the second half.
3: It's been a spectacular performance for Bryce Cotton. He now has 31 points. McAdoo lost oh, his balance called for the travel, forced him to either
5: make a shot or make a play. Speaking of making a play, how about that look?
2: Bryce Cotton with the steal. Now the step back three,
1: 31 points.
5: And you're starting to feel like this is it. You know, McAdoo comes down and travels in the other end and Kadeem scores in the next possession. at 68, 62, um, you know, then bats gets an end one that up 71 to 64, about four minutes to go. And um, you know, with the way Bryce was playing, you really felt like they had it
6: at that point. He played every possible minute of a game for a 16th time in 19 games. I mean, absolutely. Iron Man numbers. And we, and we took UNC literally for, for all, all they could, all they could take. And, you know, Roy Williams was quoted after the game. They felt very fortunate to walk away with the win. Um, and that the Friars had led just, you know, a few minutes earlier before James Michael McAdoo sank two free throws in the final three and a half seconds to kind of clinch it. You know, just an all-around great effort from Bryce and the team. And, you know, I think we'll always look back on the senior group as one that was very, very reliable, very dependable, and one that matched Coach Cooley's personality to a tee.
5: PC was up 71 to 64 with a little over four minutes to go. And what killed PC in this game was the offensive rebounds. Um, Carolina had 18 offensive rebounds in this game. And it wasn't just the number of offensive rebounds. It seemed like it came at like the worst possible time. Right. So late in that game, um, there's Carolina gets a dunk off of an offensive rebound. You know, they're just bigger. That thing's going to happen. You're still up five. Um, And then that was off the kind of a, crazy like scramble play right and then um, what was kind of a killer was Tyler Harris early in the shot clock he went for kind of a kill shot drive you know early early in the shot clock ended up being kind of a terrible shot
2: well we honestly should have won that game and if I were to have one negative thing to say about Tyler there was a three-on-one fast break and then they came down and I think it was Marcus Page potentially hit a three and then Carson says Kadeem didn't box out, but I think it was Carson who gave up the, uh, the offensive rebound on the free throw. Um, But yeah, I mean, and I will take credit for a little bit of the fall too, because I played right before the half and I should have tipped in Bryce's miss layup, but it hit the, uh, the rubber on the backboard and and hopped over my hand. So that those two points would have been pretty helpful down the stretch. So I think it was a, Equally spread out blame, but I still look back and, I'm, um, you know, being good friends with Bryce, I was just so happy that he had that success in that game that at least gave him a shot at the pros, you know, until I think he's got a few 10-day contracts. So, like, you know these guys still are shooting for the NBA. So, as disappointed I was, and, and I think we're probably a sweet 16 team, and maybe if we get lucky, you know – you always hear about that one guy who becomes famous during the NCAA tournament. Would have easily been Bryce, right? So maybe we sneak into an elite eight or something like that. But um, yeah, that, I mean, the experience was amazing. But definitely the the last man. If we could do anything to have those those two plays back, I yeah, I'd give away the rest of every single game I ever played in for those those two
5: <laughs> two plays. So Tyler, Tyler rushes, you know, kind of a, a four shot in, in, in transition. He gets swallowed up like five seconds into the shot clock. Carolina makes two huge plays. They get a crazy and one up, like this wild finish by JP Takato. who I always screwed up his name. And then Marcus <laughs> one, hit a three up, another offensive rebound. And it was just such a killer because you're like, they had this game and it was basically, you know, offensive rebounds, kind of broken plays, and this miracle and one that tied the game up, right? And you're like, if they could have just cleaned it up, they, if Tyler didn't make kind of a rough decision there, they'd probably win this game. But with that being said, you know, it's a tie game. Cotton got a really good look. He was playing unbelievable with under two minutes to go in a tie game from three. He front rims it. LaDonte gets the rebound. He hits one of two. So PC goes up 75, 74. Um, on the next possession, Carolina turns it over cotton goes all the way down the court and bill you might remember that crazy layup he hit with about a minute 25 to go and that puts pc up 77 to 74 at that point you're like oh my god they might pull those off and then marcus page who ended up being one of the great clutch shooters of his his time in college he comes down and buries a three to tie it right so it's 77 77 under a minute to go pc kind of runs the clock down a little bit they get a shot with under 40 seconds to go to Dante, not an easy layup, but, a, you know, at the rim, um, he rims off a layup. A, a layup. And then um, once again, Bryce Johnson puts up a shot that's not even close, but with their size and athleticism, McAdoo grabs the offensive rebound. He makes the first free throw and misses the second, but then they grab the offensive rebound again. And that's essentially it. PC is a desperation shot at the buzzer, but 79, 77 final. So. That was
3: just a killer. We really could have won that game. Uh, it hurt because it was like we was it was down to the wire. So th- those games hurt a little more when it's down to the wire. Instead of getting blown blown out, you get blown out or you blow a team out. It's like okay, but when it's down to the wire, and you feel like you really had the game and you could have won the game. That make it cut a little deeper.
7: Ah, oh, I mean they just had a lot of pieces. They had Bryce Johnson. Uh, James McAdoo, Marcus Page. So they had a lot of weapons, JP. And um, I think the the biggest thing we realized was they're freakishly athletic, but I don't think they were the best like three-point shooting team. So our thing was to try to get them to take as many shots from the outside as possible because if they're driving down the lane or they get into the paint, that's where they're going to thrive. For the most part, we did pretty well, um, but they just made a late game surge but just the whole experience of being in the tournament finally. And um yeah, even though we lost, it was it was a hell of a game and it was a great experience that, you know, I know I was glad that I was able to be a part of because it's not something that I ever expected um being honest, playing at Providence College. So it was definitely uh a pleasant surprise, but we did what we could.
6: And unfortunately then to a magical season for a team that truly was able to springboard our future success. And, you know, there are so many takeaways and so much legacy to talk about the 2014 Big East champion Providence Friars. One of the, one of the main themes that I want to talk about as we kind of bring things together here, Kev, is, is, is Kadim, right? had a completely different atmosphere playing for the
4: Providence Friars under uh, under Keno. I remember we used to joke, and you know, we had guys on the t- on the previous team before that would, like, question us for going in a study hall. He's like, y'all going to study hall? Like, y'all you ain't know, you know, trying to win. So that was the mentality that was, like, literally <laughs> preached to us when we, when we first got there. And then together we were just like – we just had a workman mentality. I always – I've always been a very hard worker. He's clearly obviously been a very hard worker, and I think that was where we found our bond. And was able to kind of work his way out of Coach Cooley's
6: doghouse to become truly just such a stable piece, um, both offensively and defensively. I call him the big fundamental. Like he just, even though he was undersized, he was always, always sort of able to provide some great play at the center position and power forward when Carson was in
1: most improved player, you know, I mean, he was in unbelievable shape, always took care of his body. His mid range game was one of the better mid range games I've ever coached. You know, um, we able to play him at two different positions. Just uh, he was a pleasure to coach and somebody who will go down in history as a champion
4: more. So, yeah, we did. We understood the, 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 the change we were able to make. And like, I, I appreciate him. And he used to, he used to tell me, thank you. He appreciates me. And um, just for fighting through it together, just because it was like such a, so many hurdles, so many challenges, so many obstacles, so many, like, it wasn't an easy road. It wasn't a normal, it wasn't a conventional story. We, either of us had. So I think we, uh, yeah, we just found a way to really kind of band together and really just, you know, understand like, all right, we have something, Major at hand, it was Cooley. Honestly, Cooley was the one that uh, was the was the coach that gave us, you know, the 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 formula on what it takes to win. Me and him probably had the most uh, clashes in a sense on that team. Um, but for me, I was just more so like uh, just thankful for him now. Years later, not not being a kid, not eighteen and twenty two years old looking at it, but in my thirties now looking at it, I appreciate him uh, for the way he came, the way he taught, what he taught us during that time. And uh, for me, it was a challenge during that time being so young, uh, I'm a, I'm a program manager with a nonprofit that teaches about uh, mental health and um, just resiliency through trauma and whatnot. And you learn that when you're 18 to 22, um, all you're acting off is your emotion. And for me, I had to learn um, he, he, he taught me about my, I was a very emotional player. So uh, he taught me how to tame my emotions and help me with that, that process of, you know, yes, using, using that aggression to play well, but also understanding when, you know, to control that as well. So he taught me a lot. And that's what I've ultimately taught me and Cotton how to become leaders and winners um, in that program. And yeah, I just, I just learned, um, a be, you know, a lot of a lot about what manhood was under Cooley. It was a team that had overcome a lot collectively. You know, I, I
5: really felt like they were guys who basically across the board, um, not all of them, but the key cogs offensively, Bryce, Kadim, ladante they were getting recruited, you know, at the highest level. Um, Bryce got one scholarship offer from any school, not just D1. Um, you know, Kadim is a guy who was kind of overlooked for a lot of his career. Le Dante had huge numbers in Michigan, didn't get recruited by Michigan State or, or Michigan. So um, they were just going toe-to-toe with, with UNC. Um, I think for me, though, what makes this team really significant is that they really did kind of set the bar to a new level for Providence, right? Like I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if PC has the immediate success they had in the years to follow, uh, they were very well could have, but I feel like once you have that kind of breakthrough year, it's easier to, to get back there. Um, I think that's why hopes are higher now that Providence just reached the sweet 16. We know it's really hard. Ed Cooley has said that, but once you kind of seen um, a recent team do it, it feels a lot easier. And this team did set the tone, you know, and, and the program took off the next two years, especially with Chris kind of evolving into the next big superstar. But, um, you know, it's for me, it was a group that was really deserving. You know, they, you look back, they were this loaded roster part of the season. They lost three really important pieces before the season even started. And with that being said, you know, they kind of battled all year. Um, it wasn't easy at times, but they, they're just a team that means a lot to the history of the program. And I think that's why we did this, right, Bill? Like we obviously have fond memories of it, but they're also a really significant team in the history of the school
6: yeah being on campus for it i think now looking at it from the other angle is you know this is a team that needs to keep being brought up with you know the elite eight group you know the 94 team the final Fours like like this 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 is a team that um you know transcended history and i mean the other things i think about were you know the progression of with dante henton from first recruit to, you know, immediate impact, to, you know, amazing two-way player and, and captain, you know, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, to now becoming a coach, right? Yeah. You know, that, that's the ultimate goal that you want to have for any of your players, right? And the connections that he has with the guys that he played with, especially on this team. And of course, in successful scenarios, you always have to have that mystery piece. And I think Josh Fortune was that mystery player. Obviously, he transfers, transfers to Colorado, and he doesn't continue out his career as a prior but at the end of the day, provided some big, big shooting that, honestly, we just hadn't been used to in recent years, right? Like, our three-point percentages, you know, hadn't been the best, and Josh was able to provide this sort of calm, stoic, three-point barrage when we needed him. I'll think about Tyler Harris's versatility, you know, and and we talked about it at the beginning of the season. He had a lot of big games offensively, and then he kind of his role kind of evolved as more of like, you know, truly using him in different scenarios, um, you know, as we needed to win some games and post format. And, you know, for somebody six, nine, like we talked about, he was really able to provide a different dynamic for that team that, you know, was truly unique, even to some teams in, 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 in the past decade. So, and of course the Bryce Cotton piece, which, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you take that one.
5: Yeah. I mean, Bryce is, basically one of those prototypical providence superstar stories right like the you know herb hill got drafted you know but i think the last true superstar before bryce was ryan gomes very similar you know kind of a humble guy who had great perspective who didn't have this crazy recruitment who early in his career was overlooked even you know by his own coaching staffs right they're both freshman year Ryan didn't play for seven games his freshman year. Bryce was kind of a bit player his freshman year at PC. Um, And for for Bryce to emerge the way he did, I just feel like his game evolves every year. And what's really special, special about him is that he was able to do whatever they needed him to do, right? Like Chris goes down that year and Bryce goes from strictly a two guard the previous three years to being thrust into the starting point guard spot with no backup point guard there's no other point guard in the roster and he put up monster numbers and led them to this great season and ends up biggest term MVP and you know as much as I'll look back Bill we, we talked about a little bit too with the guys there's some huge what-ifs with this team right UNC goes on to play Iowa State in the next round um Iowa State knocks off UNC but Iowa State had lost George Yang who was their best player he broke his foot Iowa State goes on to play UConn right? was the seventh seed and um it kind of goes to show you bill how how a couple plays can really change the whole course of history you know uconn they beat saint joe's in the first round in overtime and i think they were down like three or four to go. you know so that could be a totally nondescript year for uconn if they lose that game they go in to win the national championship you know not saying pc could have gone to do that but what a story it would have been if UConn in Providence ended up playing in the sweet 16, the first year UConn's out of the big East. I mean, that would have been wild. Um, but with that being said, you almost couldn't have ended it better for Bryce like, to go out with that performance. One of the truly great performances of all time at Providence. It was a huge bummer to beat Carolina. And you would have loved to have had that moment, but he almost couldn't have got on any better. And I think it almost elevates the status because the last time we saw him. He was that
3: unbelievable.
6: When thinking about this team, I think about an overall overall stat purposes like Ladante and Bryce, you know, are in the top 10 all time in minutes played. Right. Like, I mean, these guys are like serious minutes in overtime and all these different games, especially with that that 2014 team. And they're up there with guys that are, you know, absolute Big East legends like like who came like a Kemba Walker or, you know, all, all the all these different guys who, you know, played these crazy double and triple overtime games at Madison Square Garden. Um, And then if you bring it down to a more granular level and you think about like, I don't know, the Ted Bancrofts or the Casey Woodrings of, you know, guys who were just on the team who provided a championship mindset, provided a maturity, um, you know, in the locker room um, and a winning culture, like, you know, the theme of this team was heart and soul, right? We'd be remiss to not bring that up. Heart and soul was... Of probably all the themes that we've had, probably my favorite, um, Same. because this 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 team really was, what the t-shirt said, you know, from Carson to Bryce to Ledante to Ted to Casey, like the whole roster, like they they literally left it all out on the floor in that North Carolina game. Like, there's no debate. Like, you know, Roy Williams shakes Coach Cooley's hand and Then the season, says, "Hey, this one could have easily been yours today, right?" Like, like they're, they're, it's just it was such an unfortunate fitting end to a team that truly um you know gave us all that they could. Um,
5: and bill, yeah. I, I think what's telling too is how I got the sense, and I hope this comes through in the podcast, these guys really enjoyed reflecting back on the team like after in the season, like we talked to Bryce after we got off the camera and he was basically like, yeah, this was a really fun i I'd forgotten a lot of this stuff, and it's really special to look back and and there's a different level of engagement. It's a testament to this team in part, but Ed Cooley and Bob Driscoll and what they built. I felt like there was a while where the former players didn't feel as connected to the program. Um, and now it seems like everyone is involved and invested in PC. And these guys were really quick to hop on with us and gave us a ton of time, like really, really generous with their time. So um, we're hopeful this comes out in a way that fans enjoy and makes these guys proud. And is something that fans can really, and the former players can look back on and listen to and and bring back some good memories.
6: Multiple of the guys said this team changed their life. It changed the trajectory of either their playing career or their coaching career or what they've decided to do post PC, which even if it's not basketball, you know, it's brought them the sort of winning mindset of what it takes to be successful in life overall. Um, And yeah, I mean, I just want to thank the guys for providing us with so much, you know, Great depth in the memories, and you know, taking us along for a ride that you know, we're hoping we can recapture because um, it's kind of evaded us in recent years. But you know, Kev, to kind of close things out here, um, you know, to start off the new Big East, Providence, Rhode Island was where the Big East was founded all those years ago to win in the new Big East, um, you know, and just kind of take things from the Dave Gavin era. Um, you know, all the way to now, uh, it, it just, it it was, its just, it's divine providence, right. That we were able to take the first big East title since the realignment, we were kind of able to lead the charge, um, of of the older brands from the old big East. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, when you go to the practice facility or you go to, you know, just, just Rowan, you know, the, the Rowan center in general, um, or, or just or you know, the, the the sports development complex in general, you you see and you feel the remnants of the 2014 Big East Championship team.
5: And Bill, we hadn't been on that stage, you know, the Big East Championship or the NCAA tournament in so long, you know, and that's why I feel like we, no one takes it for granted now. But it's easy to forget that it had been a decade since we were in the NCAA tournament, right? It had been what 17 years since they've been in the Big East tournament semifinal so even getting to that friday night had been forever you know so to have that friday night game which to me i love the friday night at msg you know and then to be in the biggest championship was amazing you know it's just something we hadn't experienced in so long um and then to go against carolina and go toe-to-toe with them was um you know just really really special at the time and i and i think it's kind of held up through the test of time out of all coolies, really great teams and great runs that one's right up there just because of you know how they kind of paved the way
4: for every other team to follow i think that winning that big east championship and you know getting my degree um was the biggest thing for me um because a lot of players leave school early and say they're going to go back and never go Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. or you know um and then obviously winning that championship i feel like that was god's uh, God rewarding me for, you know, uh, being resilient and staying in the program and not giving up on the program and not leaving. Yeah. Um, I feel like that, that's how I personally looked at it, uh, First coming back for that fifth year.
3: It changed my life forever. Being able to win a championship, man, like, everybody want to be around and associated with winners, right? Like, that's, they can never take that away from you. And that team is, is in the history books in Providence College. So that team will forever be remembered. In history books in the Big East period so that's like the greatest accomplishment I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't win that championship with that team
2: yeah I I think it goes to your initial question right like when did it start I think it was the 20 kind of 12 13 and then you know obviously it all stems when Cooley started the first year was let's just get through this year and try to build a roster. The second year you start building the discipline, the third year is where you're like, okay, wait a minute. This is what it takes to win. Like we weren't doing any of the stuff the years prior that people started doing from a team standpoint, right? The individuals were doing it, but before that 2011, everyone was kind of on their own. And, and again, when you lose some of your best players, you, you become a, a tighter group. And I think, like, the team you're seeing now, they seem to be a very tight group. I remember even talking, um, I think it was to Coach Blaney, maybe two years ago, and I'm just asking him, you know, how are the team, do we have, like, bad apples? You know, are there, what's the team, like, and every year since, it's kind of got that aura of, like, you know, I know Cooley kills it with a dead horse, like, us, we together, family, Friars, like, I think it. you can just stop at the family part there. Like, it really became a group where, again, we all go back and we still keep in touch, and now new generations of players are talking to each other, which I've grown up a Providence fan my whole life, you know. Like, I cried when I met uh, – oh, my God. How do you blank on his name right now? Ryan Gomes, you know, at the dunk yeah. two years ago. And he was like, oh. I'm like, oh, hey, Ryan, you know, I'm Ted. And he's like, oh, I remember watching you play like you're kidding me right Like <laughs> you are my hero the first time i saw you in the locker room i was too scared to go say hello but it's just i think the whole program all the way to to bob driscoll in the support from like now the staff and the in the school and the, the team or the uh the fans it's like it's transformed into something that's building on itself i think for a long time unfortunately and i love i went to every single like providence game every year forever it didn't always feel like it was moving in the right direction right this year it's like very clear we were 100 percent the starting point point. and i'll without that biggie championship even if we lose that i don't know what the next year looks like you'd hope that you know we could we would have made the tournament the next year like we did but i don't know if we didn't build that muscle of like winning right and even fortunately we were in it in the NCAA tournament now but I mean transparently speaking we hadn't built that muscle of winning in the tournament for a little bit right like god forbid we probably would have a championship if we didn't turn it over versus UNC right we win that game takes a little pressure off Friartown, our town you know then it gets a little bit easier but I think the teams after have done a great job. What do they say? You honor the past by building the future. Like these guys are continuously improving the the program from what started almost like a c- catastrophe, right? When, when Keno left to, okay, here's how we run a team. Here's what practice looks like. Here's how you, you train. Coach you brings smoothies into locker room for the first time. Right. So like, Okay, now how do you eat right? Then it becomes how do you manage your body. So like you're starting to see the ripple effects, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very envious but also very excited. You know, as long as I get invited to the national championship party, it's it'll be a win.
0: You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to sometime in the near future where we're going to be able to get back to campus and and, and be honored, and we're going to have you know all those guys back together for the first time. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have made that decision to attend Providence, um, you know, after two years at Wake. And, and again, just be successful, just just to just to be able to win something, you know, get back, get off that NCAA tournament snide that the fries were on for so long. And to kind of be on that team that, you know, catapulted the brand of Providence into what it is today is 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 pretty
1: special. I'm going to remember them as being a team that, overcame a lot of adversity, that had to deal with the ups and downs and negative criticism of they can't do it, um, to a group that came together to prove people wrong, to be a champion, to leave a banner at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, to leave excitement in everybody's memory as we're having this here, as a group that just refused to give in to the narrative of they're just okay. Those OKs became special, and that's why we're talking about them today.
7: i would kind of been getting wind from some people back in um, in Prov that sometimes they'll show my highlights and stuff out here in Australia, like how I'm doing at the dunk. And that's, like, really mind-blowing for me. Like, wow, these people still, you know, care or support, you know, what I'm doing years after I've left the school. So that pretty much goes a long way with me. Um, but as much as I guess some people might appreciate me, I'm always forever indebted to this school because, you know, they took a chance on me. And there's no telling what my life would be had I never got offered a scholarship to go to Providence. So um, I, I made sure I cherished every moment that I had there. And I cherished all the people that showed me any love, whether it was the people at the school, the administration, the coaches were just the fans. Like I I embraced everything that I could out of that place because it was, again, nothing short of a miracle that I was able to to be there. It changed my life. Um, Yeah, like the whole journey, everything, like it changed my life. And I felt that this being at Providence College it kind of laid the foundation for whatever the rest of my life is gonna be. I have a direction now whereas again if I don't get that scholarship I might still just be in Tucson you know wondering what if could I have even been a division one basketball player and because of Providence you know I was able to be a part of an amazing team have some amazing teammates go through a lot of ups and downs throughout the four years and then you know blessed to play in the NBA for a short time and then play overseas and find a home in Australia pretty much so I just look at it as everything I've experienced that's not bad for a kid who graduated with no scholarships and got offered a few days before school started um, because he had good grades that that's why I feel i got the scholarship um, and to still be yeah carrying out the story over
6: what a decade later this is
7: truly amazing. Well
6: on behalf of the 2013-2014 Providence Friar players, Ed Cooley, coaching staff, all the administration. We'd like to thank you all for listening to the 2013-2014 pod series. Kevin Farahar, FriarBasketball.com, and Billy Ritchie of Friar Podcast. Go Friars.